You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I'm talking to Helen Bauer, who, uh, in, unusually for this podcast, I have just come off the uh, recording, uh, and so it's very fresh in my mind at the time of recording this. It's an absolutely brilliant conversation. I can't tell you which bits are going to be on the insiders, because I haven't decided just yet, um, but we've definitely got an hour and a half in the can, so whatever isn't on here, the rest is on the Insiders Club, which you can join at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders and uh, pay £2 a month or as much more than that as you like to get extras from all the episodes that have them including this one we're going to talk about the origins of Helen Bowers oh I tell you what we are going to do is we're going to trigger warning this episode there is going to be some discussion um, some brief discussion of uh, self-harm and a little bit of depression uh, and later on she will refer in passing to her dad as being autistic and it turns out he is actually autistic so that's well it might not be fine, but her saying so is fine. Um, we will talk to Helen about... Um, we'll, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about me being cringe, which is painful. Maybe that'll end up on The Insiders. And uh, Helen makes the excellent uh, uh, observation that what basic is to her, cringe is to me, which I've never felt so... I uh, just called on my shit frankly and um, this one is just an absolute joy helen is brilliant and we talk about her origins uh, as a tech at the pleasance a million years ago when she teched for mine and richard sandling's sketch show kiosk of champions which is just one of the reasons why i feel like her comedy dad i mean that's me being cringe again straight out the gate um we'll talk about the relationship between her persona and her real self which is let me say wafer thin. We'll talk about being self-actualized and how possible it is to know oneself. Um, we will talk a little bit about her depression and we'll talk about her her other podcasts, one which she used to do with Rosie Jones, which may return one day, and uh, the very funny Trusty Hogs uh, that she does with Catherine Bohart, which is absolutely fantastic. And uh, we will learn why everyone needs a Catherine Bohart in their life. Um, and we are going to talk about uh, basing a personality around a scrunchie and answer some listener questions as well. Uh, I can't be any more specific than that because I have just been absolutely crying with laughter for an hour and a half as I talk to the wonderful Helen Bauer. You know, I'm actually going to take notes as well. Are you? Because I'm interested to see what we... Yeah, we can oh. get into this, but I'm like... Let's get into it now, go on. I'm just curious because like, so I listened to this from when it started because I knew you from when I was like a teenager right yeah so I was always like oh this is really interesting these are really important bits and then over the years the more I've like got into stand-up and done it the more I'm like oh I don't like to think about what I do because I feel like I ruin it oh yeah okay yeah 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 yeah. so if I overanalyze something then I'll kill it like I used to have a massive fear of writing out my sets Mm mm-hmm like, so I was like, no, no, because I'm like going to overthink it and try and word things properly instead of just allowing it to be what it is in the night. Yeah, yeah. And then now I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, I need to like create to a deadline. Whereas yeah. before when I was doing it, it was like, 
you want to make a show, you want to write a new set, like whatever. But now it's like a job. It's like, you need to have this amount of minutes on this subject by this time. Mm-hmm. So now I need to actually like do stuff like that. I want to know what my process is because I don't know. What a wonderful starting point. I'm so excited. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you on the show. And I'm so excited because, um, yes, let's get... What do we do first? Let's do the origin thing first. And then um, okay. I, I keep forgetting at the beginning of the show to point out how brilliant my guest is for people who don't know them. You're Helen Bauer. You're a force of nature. You're six foot one, I'm going to say, Correct. with a personality yeah. that's twice that size. And you smashed, smashed. I'm just doing the, I'm doing the, you know, the, the York notes. <laughs> no, I get um, it, but it's so great. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, you've, you've absolutely killed Love at the Apollo. I listened to that set again this morning and it was, it's so good. And I've heard the preview that you uh, did at Bristol Comedy Fest, which you were kind enough, uh, like all good hearted uh, future guests on the show, you were like, yeah, you can listen to my shit quality preview. So I'm up to date. And I texted you, I think I texted you 10 minutes in and went, this is incredible. And you went, what? The stuff about person we won't mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not bringing that up. Like some stupid improv stuff you're doing. And I went, no, the actual thing, this is incredible. You're incredible. So with that yeah i know let's just deal with that now i can handle this yeah yeah okay so brilliant really 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 excited about you but all the more so because i knew you you were the tech you were a pleasant tech for me and richard sandling chaos of champions chaos of champions yeah chaos of champions the second and only sequel show that taught me about the saying if the mountain won't no if Muhammad won't, won't come, come to the to mountain, the mountain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was great it was great it was like there I watched were... it for like 30 shows right that show oh and I understood the saying after show 20 and then I was like that's a really funny bit <laughs> <laughs> I would say <laughs> I would say Kiosk of Champions was flawed, but the the good bits were really good, and it was a joy working with Richard Sandling. It was and, a good um, one, trust me. Out of that go- venue, it was one of the. Oh good yes, ones. because like- as a pleasant tech, the pleasant <laughs> yeah. being one of the the big four venues in the Edinburgh Festival. People who don't mm-hmm. know, um, and you're a tech, and what they do is they sort of hoover up young, excitable young people who want to know about comedy, and they mm-hmm. put them to work in the pits of tiny little uh, venues and overwork them and you know there are there are uh, I, I'm sure there are attendant issues which perhaps we can get into on another podcast. Oh I was 18 I couldn't believe that someone was paying me any money and free accommodation to be in a different city so Sweet I was like it, that now I look back at it I'm like oh that was probably really bad but at the time I was like I fucking made it <laughs> and so then when I came to see your debut which was yes. uh, Little Miss Baby Cakes or something Little Miss Little Sweet Little Miss Baby Angel Face please Little Miss Baby Angel Stu. Face do your oh, research yeah, yeah, yeah. apologies I'm so sorry yeah, okay. um, but when I came better. to when I <laughs> when I came to see that um, I was so excited because I was like, oh, my God, it's Helen Bauer. And I think I was sitting next to your mum. I think I came to the show. My mum did not mu- come to Edinburgh to see my preview. Did, I mean, my first show. So did definitely she not? not. Why this don't? Is- well, maybe it's another gig I've seen you with your mum. Or maybe you talked about your mum to me. I can't remember. I, know I mean, she I talked about show. my mum a lot in that show. I know, I know. But I feel like there was a sort of social element as well. I don't know where I've maybe got that from. Maybe my aunt was there. It's conceivable. I tell you, the show I remember was um, the one where, and I don't know how this often, how often this happened, but what, like, I love the show and it was just really all those things that are really you. you, Yeah, I know. Yeah, Yeah, it was like someone walked out and you dealt with it. No, no, no. It was one, well, 
There may have been more than one walkout, but the first one that happened was a girl who was really upset by the stuff you were talking about, and you handled her walkout like a 40-year veteran club comic in the Catskills. You didn't break stride for a second. You were sort of nice to her, but sort of cutting. And, like, so she left... You sort Which of was think, bad, because like, it was a joke about cutting. <laughs> yeah, well, there was, some, there was some... Oh, God, I've got a trigger warning in a fucking episode now. But, yes, there was Sorry. some self-harmed fight. Um, um, and she was upset by it and she said it was one of those tell me about that from your perspective because I think afterwards I said to you geez you dealt with that well and you said I was mortified god I'm shaking I can't cope yeah it was a it was a big deal it was a surprise to me that it looks like I didn't that I was unflappable with it because that looking back at that show it should have had more walkouts than it did due to some of the content of it it's all personal it's all based on my experience I'm not making light of things that I haven't gone through but I can see why it would be very triggering for people I was surprised when there were walkouts and I would always try and preempt it that was the only way I can protect myself so you know when you're like so they walked out quite early and it's good because I wouldn't want them to stay because if they looked awkward at that when I get to the bit later on I know it's going to be a problem. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I mean, I don't know if this was the case, but I usually sort of go like, do you want to go? Like, you're not comfortable. Like, and then it looks like I'm totally chill with it. But then the whole rest of the show, I'm panicking that everyone hates me and is thinking about that person that left. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's almost like a tripwire joke early doors that if if you don't like that, it's time to leave now. Kind of. Like, it's just like a litmus test, isn't it? Just yeah. to be like, where are we up to? Yeah. Yeah. And you were, you seemed so, I couldn't believe how kind of, you're, I suppose you're, you're confident, it's not just confidence, but like, you really didn't seem flapped. <laughs> you were really unflappable in a, in a way that I, and then what was interesting to me was the contrast between that and then afterwards. And I was like, mate, you handled that like a champ. And you were like, oh God, I feel really terrible about it. And I was like, whoa, who is the real Helen Bauer? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's what I'm hoping you're going to tell me. Uh, if anyone can. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I was on stage. You're doing a show. Like someone doesn't like you. It's not perfect, but you've still got something else to do for the next 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. whereas like after that I don't know if they're going to be like around the corner waiting to say something if there's going to be a nasty message on my phone because I don't this makes it sound like I've got this all the time like I really don't I've only ever had it once before where someone wrote to me afterwards saying why they were offended by something I said which I totally got I was like yeah like clearly not the right comment for them not the right show not the right vibe so all I could yeah. do was go like, sorry, definitely think you and me don't come see me again, but I can recommend some really good comics if you want to watch comedy. That, There's nothing that, you can do. That in itself is an incredibly you response because it is like you don't give any ground there. You're not like, does any part of, did any part of you when you received that letter think, oh God, I've said too much. I've done a wrong thing. Or, or because that response of like, oh, you are right. This was not a good decision on your part. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or like, we don't fit. Those are incredibly assertive and empowered ways of coping with an, an attack where someone says that's, you've said something wrong and offensive and you're bad. I think but a I lot know of my people intention. Would... I know my intention is to make people feel like, to laugh, to find it funny. So me referring to something like doing a cutting joke about cutting for attention I'm doing it so that people know that, like, that's something that my brain does. But I'm not doing it to bully people that have done it. 
And I know my intention is good. And I feel like if I had a joke where my intention was to laugh on behalf of someone else and someone was offended, I'd be like, yeah, no, 100%. I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, right. Because my intention wasn't, but my I know I know that I come at it in like from a good place. Is this is there is someone going to write an article about several comedians, including you, and call it like the new offensive or something like that? Where it's like <laughs> <laughs> they're probably they are now some sort of thing whereby, um, like absolutely, your stuff is really tough and like um, yeah. not not all of it, but you you flip and we'll get into this more, I'm sure. But you you you. You really paint with your personality. You flirt with us in this kind of like, kind of little finger in mouth, kind of girlish giggle. And then you fucking roar at us. And you know what I mean? Like you, your personality. Yeah. It's not good. You're a psychopath. <laughs> um, but you are an intentional psychopath and you know and can stand by the things. Not like offensive comics, perhaps of old, you know, the kind of like your bargain bin offensive comic where you go, they haven't thought about this. They're just saying the most shocking thing they possibly can and it's diminishing returns and a person I'm thinking of in particular 20 minutes into their set you're just looking at your watch because you're like yes by the time you have done that awful thing to that thing and that body part and the rest of it you're like sure you hate everything you get over it whereas you're actually kind of what you're doing is sort of being unafraid to go into difficult areas but having all having already done some pretty rigorous thinking about I've thought about it like it's not like I'm trying to be shocking but sometimes the most honest things are quite shocking to people but I don't know like times are changing quickly language is changing quickly like what I do now I probably would not be able to defend in 10 years time and I hope that I wouldn't I hope that I wouldn't be someone that wasn't able to go along with things and with the time at the moment but I feel you hope like that you, things... you hope that you wouldn't. Sorry, I understood the first half of that. In ten years' oh, time, oh, as in like so, like the language and the words that we use now and things that I joke about might not be okay in ten years' time because everything's evolving. Mm. And I just hope that in ten years, I'm not someone who defends myself like a mad person, going like, "No, it was fine to say then, and it's fine to say now." If things have moved on, and it's not okay for me to joke about my own mental health or doing things for attention, then a hundred percent. I'd love to think I would like move on instead of becoming do you know what I mean I know completely what you mean it's not a thing anyone says you know because there's so much um discourse about the fact that um you you just don't you just don't see people saying that probably because it's less newsworthy for people to say oh no I hold my hands up to that that was a terrible thing I'd never say that again that's not Mm -hmm. a story is it so we don't hear it so we only hear the people who butt heads with it and go I can say anything I want you know yeah, but what is it you want to say? Like, yeah, what is exactly. it you can't like? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about, let's begin with the word basic. <laughs> because this is a word that you really enjoy using. And it's also, yes. it's also, it, it, it kind of, not to say that you yourself are basic, but your use okay. of the word is very you because it's a very internet-y, meme kind of a word. It's also kind of steeped, like the meaning of the word is about insulting women. And so, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like you don't hear it, I don't know if you hear it applied to men, I never have. Um, but like, it, it's kind of, it seems like quite a totemic word for you because you've got some jokes about the fact I'm basic, but I'm basic plus. And it's almost like you, part of the, assem- part of the, uh, the assemblage of the persona that you're giving us is kind of like, if you say I'm basic or you accuse someone in the, in the room of being basic, it just resonates because it's like, oh, this is who this girl is. She's sort of, an element of you is sort of 
like a bully, but a bully who is bullied. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not just a bully. You're not just coming out and slagging people oh, off. Oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. That's so true, though. Yeah. Like a bully who's like, like hurt people hurt people. Like, yeah. I've been hurt, so now I'm going to hurt you, but I'm also going to let you know that I'm aware of it because I've also been hurt, so it's fine. Yes, exactly that. See, and this lots- is what I wanted from you to do these revelations. <laughs> now I'm going to write this down. I'll See? Just, don't spend time writing stuff down. I'll send you the recording. <laughs> bully who bullies. Perfect. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. What's, what, quickly, what's totemic? Oh, like um, like something like um, uh, uh, an an object, like a totem pole in indigenous like, Native America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, but more specifically, it's like an object which you imbue with power, which then represents loads of stuff. So it's like the the altar in the church of you. That's a sentence I just found myself saying. You know, but if you're <laughs> if if you're trying to um yeah. if you're trying to kind of um g- get your head around like what is who is this per- this persona, then the word basic is kind of emblematic of 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 you. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's a word, it's a word used like you could be called basic, but you're calling people basic. You're appropriating basic and saying, I'm basic plus. It's, you know, it's the way in which you take all of those things about yourself, which could yeah. be flaws, like the fact you're from Fleet, which is a small town behind the service station, all those great. kind of, this stuff. Yeah. But yeah. it's, <laughs> you take that and you really kind of breathe into it that like, all of these potential flaws, these are the reasons why I'm such a big winner and you should be listening to me. <laughs> like, a, like a freak. Yeah. I, I <laughs> no, don't like think a comedian. It. That's like comedy 101, right? That's great. But I feel like saying basic just means that the audience know who I am, where I'm at. And also, like, I don't see it as bullying an audience member. I always think of it as like making a friend. Like, I find it really useful to make a friend in the crowd early on. <laughs> yes. Yes. At the beginning of long, like even twenty minute sets, I like to have a buddy. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like, yeah but but the na- the way that you make <laughs> friends with them is by insulting them. Do you know what I mean? I that know, but like- this is why I've never had a fucking relationship because I think that we're bonding, and I'm like, you're a fucking cunt. Like, no, 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 no. But you are bonding. It's just the right? means by which you are making them a friend. It's just <laughs> that you're choosing to do so with quite a playful kind of slap to like a big and open handed slap of a kind of playful. Well, I move, also you know? want to be the alpha in the friendship. Like it's like we're friends, but like like you're going to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. And it's so, and what's so lovely to see about it, and lovely is not the right word, but what's so kind of invigorating to see about it is we, like, I, I said, I said as much in a text, I think, or when we were talking, and I've written in my notes, are you the most self actualized person you know? Because I feel like you know exactly who you are. Yeah. I okay, used to use this word and I Googled it and it means that like you're it's like a level of awareness above morality or something. And I was like, I don't. Yeah, it's like it's, it's kind of it's a, the thing to which people aspire when they not necessarily when they meditate, but when they kind of when people go to find themselves, what they want to do is to self-actualize, to kind of to lock into, oh, this is my essential core and now I can embody it. Right. Yeah. Like you, you get who you are. You know who you are. That's how I, I meant it. Whether, that, whether that's right across, or not, that's how I meant it. That's for sure. I definitely know how I come across. Like, I know when I walk onto the stage, they've got like certain assumptions and then it's mm-hmm. good to sort of like play with them very, very quickly. But then it's also fun as soon as they've like reached the assumption and you're on the same level, you're giving them what they're assuming and they're correct, then to like change it really quickly. 
Yeah, magnificent. Of course, uh, brilliant. Yeah. You know that, like the, again, like I said, the flirting thing, the roaring, the kind of the like your your opening line on the Apollo set about like I, I you know, you're sitting there thinking, no, there is no way anyone this fuckable is going to be funny. Like yeah. that is such a good joke. Tell me about tell me about the history of that joke because that what a killer opening line to set out your stall and go, this is who I am. Oh God, I've had that line for ages. You know what? tell you what it was it was in edinburgh it was doing my first hour because it's like that first hour thing i wasn't selling very well um until the end it like i had an edinburgh of two halves is what it's been called now but like no one was coming and i was like trying to think of reasons they weren't coming that were funny to let the audience know that i knew we were in a small audience because sometimes Um, audiences think you don't know yeah you know and so i was like just to let them know i know i haven't sold very well but i didn't want it to be like a downer right i want it to be fun so it was just like i bet they've just looked to my poster and been like no she's too fit she couldn't do comedy and then it sort of slowly whittled down to she's too fuckable to be funny it's it's a beautiful line and do you know what i mean like as you say in terms of in terms of setting out your stall like the fact that it's so sweary as an opener and also you know the ideas that it plays into i think are really like one of my three fucks i got for my apollo set within 10 seconds that was a (laughs) mental choice and i'm fully aware of that is that the rule (laughs) i got given three and the other the boys got given two because they were like helen needs three (laughs) (laughs) she needs them (laughs) okay okay and there was something that really um, i can't Let's just stay with stay with the persona for the moment. The word, the uh-huh. word, the word basic, and that kind okay. of idea. You mentioned there the assumptions they make about you when you walk on. So what what do you suppose are those assumptions? Oh, I think people think I'm a bit thick. Um, I think that they sort of like perceive that I'm going to be like a certain level of like ditzy. I don't okay. know whether this is true, but this is a hundred percent how I feel. I have to attach things. I I feel like I am underestimated by crowds that don't know me at all which is most of the crowds I perform in front of but I quite like that because it means that the jokes hit better at least for the first couple of minutes but I I do sometimes feel a sense of disappointment when I walk on go on like like I'm walking towards the stage and the audience are like oh for fuck's sake like really yeah I don't know what it is I don't but this might be or, or, or what? Oh, I think it's a tiny bit to do with being a woman. I think that was more of a problem for the comics early doors. Like now, whenever I go to a gig, I'm never the first female comic. They've seen. It's not like a big deal. But I think it's just sort of like I'm like bumbling towards the stage and they're just like, oh, f- come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what a thing. What a thing to have to... To have to, what a thing but to notice. I don't notice. think about it, but you're making me think about it. Yeah, okay, I don't okay, think okay, about okay. it. Okay, no, fine. But the, the but I would I would imagine in your in your evolution as a comic, if that's mm-hmm. what you feel you're walking into each time, it's going to make you stronger because it's going to make you have to be stronger. So it's like yeah. the opposite of your generic white guy in a t-shirt who everyone's like, well, he represents all of us. So so as a result, yeah. you get licensed to be lazy because ah, oh, they'll probably get on board. And I, think I, I, I hope I'm not out, talking though. about myself. <laughs> Maybe what it was is because I started in Germany and it would be like, oh, here's the stupid English girl. Okay. Maybe that's what it was. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. 
But that's a great position, isn't it? Because if they have underestimated you, it's like um, Rosie Jones said as much on the on this podcast that uh-huh. she was like she knows when she walks on, and particularly she used to to dress to seem more like a little girl, so she would <laughs> seem innocent, partially because of her cerebral palsy and partially because. Mm-hmm. Because she just would would lean into it by going, I I am nice, and, and she's then, a beast. She and literally texts me like beast. twenty minutes ago, being like, "Oh, I prefer your friend to you." <laughs> I was like, oh, "Okay, thanks. I'm glad you're hanging out at the Groucho together." Like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> but that but that thing, and I remember her saying about how if they underestimate you, that's brilliant because mm-hmm. then you've got loads of room to play with, right? You've got loads of loads of rug to pull out from underneath them. True. It is it's like a privileged position that you don't realise you have until you've lost it. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. But I've definitely got it. It's great. Cringe, for fuck's sake. I am now. Suddenly I've got cringe radar on. Everything I say I feel is accidental partridge. This is just awful. How have I allowed her to do this to me? Also, upsettingly, at the beginning of that episode, you'll remember, the beginning of this episode, which is still ongoing, uh, you'll remember Helen talking about how um, she was going to make notes, and then she only made one note! So it turns out uh, my <laughs> her hopes that it would be useful for her to be on the Comedians Comedian podcast were dashed. So many apologies to Helen. So in the second half of this episode, we will go on to talk about how uh, Helen has a quest for attention, and how that motivates everything she does. We'll talk a little bit about her relationship with both her parents individually and how that's informed who she is. And we will discover uh, how I ended up learning a bit more about what it was like to be a girl at school uh, than I previously understood from uh, listening to her material. Is that a weird thing to say? Probably, but it's too late now and there's no time. Crash on! Um, uh, back to Helen Barry in just a second. Please do join the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for all the extra content from this one. And like I said, we've got an hour and a half, so there's definitely a bundle of good stuff, even though I can't specifically point it to you now. Uh, point, it, point you to it now. You'll just have to check the show notes. Um, and uh, look, it's just, just a terrible lack of respect for the listener. Many apologies. You just have to check the show notes. What am I, your mum? I've got some work in progress tour dates coming up. They're not tour dates, it's not a tour, but I am nonetheless doing bits of work in progress everywhere, including this Friday, if you're very quick off the mark, Friday the 27th, I'm at the Wells Comedy Festival. Someone on the Facebook group said, are you coming to Leamington? I'm like, literally there two weeks ago. It was in several mail-outs. Join the mailing list at stuartgoldsmith.com. Now, um, also, I'm going to be at the Hop-In in Swindon on the 6th of June. On the 8th, I'm at the Black Cherry in Bournemouth. On the 16th, I'm at the Chapel in, uh, I guess, Wiltshire, Swindon, probably. Uh, the 29th, I'm at the Rondo in Bath. Uh, on the uh, 7th, I am in Fordingbridge at the Victoria Rooms. That's not on the 7th. On the 3rd of the 7th, which is July. July the 3rd. 13th of July, I'm at Smoke and Mirrors in Bristol. The 14th, I'm in Cardiff at Chapel 1877. Strong, strong chapel results there for fans of me doing stand up in places called Chapel 20th of July I'm at the Oxford Comedy Festival and the 22nd I'm at Tringe Festival so listen go to the website go to stuartgoldsmith.com slash comedy to find all of the ticket links for those in go on laptop at the moment and if, and on mobile as well if I fixed it by the time you hear this because it's playing up um and please join the uh, mailing list at either stuartgoldsmith.com or comedianscomedian.com in order to find out where I'm going to be so that you don't uh, send me an email Weeks from now saying, oh, why don't you come to Wells? I'm bloody coming to Wells. Check your emails. So that's that. Um, also, Edinburgh. Edinburgh tickets are available. You can get, uh, there's a link at stuartgoldsmith.com slash comedy. And you can follow me on the socials. Me 
uh, at Stuart Goldsmith Comedy on, yes, TikTok and Instagram. Feel free to add to my bajillions of uh, video views. But actually, why not click follow as well, as so few people seem to do. Um, so you can do that. And I'm at ComComPod on Twitter. Helen Bauer, on the other hand, can be found at Helen Babauer. I really enjoy that as a Twitter handle. So Helen Babauer on Twitter. On Instagram, she's also at Helen Babauer. Um, and uh, her website is helenbauer.co.uk. And unusually, it doesn't have a www dot in front of it. I don't know why that is. Um, if you haven't seen her stuff, please check out her Live at the Apollo clip, which you can find on YouTube. And her current podcast is, uh, which is to say that her previous podcast with Rosie Jones is, I'm sure, still available. Uh, but currently, she is co-starring in the popular podcast Trusty Hogs, uh, which you can find wherever the fuck you get your podcasts. Did I mention to you that I thought it would be a top joke? to get the domain name wherever you get your podcasts.com and then I went to it and it's already been got by a podcaster who had the same idea well done him um, so that is where to find Helen uh, and you can go to all the usual places to find me as previously described let's finish off this episode with Helen Bauer Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So how much of your, like your, your comedy is so kind of steeped in the detail of like there's a lovely bit you're doing the kebab shop routine when you're talking about um pretending that you've never known what a, you never knew what a kebab is in oh, order yeah. to get bought a kebab or you know to play a game whatever but you, you that's when you draw on your gcse drama and i'm like yes that's another moment when the kind of it flashes and you're like of course this persona did gcse drama <laughs> like you know what i mean there there are certain kind of elements in the sort of the tapestry of you if we imagine your your comic persona is like a, a visual collage there's fleet services and there's a mcdonald's and there's gcse drama and those kind of things and that's what i mean it's like there must be lots of people who grew up in those sorts of environments who feel like i'm not special this is really kind of mundane little england kind of oh stuff oh my where is this uh, coming from <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, you weaponize all of it and become a champion for using it. Do you, you know what I mean? I I think I do. Are you saying that like I've had nothing interesting in my life, but I make things that aren't interesting sound exciting? No, I'm not offended. Quite. I'm just genuinely curious. Not quite. It's more that, and I, and, you know, I'm obviously I'm hearing it from my perspective. So at school, yeah, and I also you're from like Leamington Spa. So yeah, I, I know, know, I know. But, I, from. but <laughs> what I have never done is is I've never managed to successfully weaponize how shit Leamington Spa is 
to own it and appropriate it and kind of own the fact that I'm from a, like, I'm, I'll talk about myself, not you, right? I am from a boring place and I was desperate to be special. I was desperate to be interesting and it was all a bit pathetic. But I haven't managed to turn that into a thing whereby I'm somehow a champion. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like when you talk about that stuff, the women you can hear, the people generally you can hear in the audience going nuts for you and what a champion you are. It's like you're their fucking gladiator, right? But there's 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 a champion in everyone, right? You did a kiosk of champions. You should know this more than anything. Like anything. I do remember early doors being like, I don't. Like, so many comedians talk about things they don't like, right? And they point out problems with things. Whereas I find it generally more fun to talk about things I do like and things I love. Particularly things that I love that other people don't really like. Right? Great. So then when it comes to, like, talking about my hometown, sure, people can say Fleet's just another boring town. But every comedian's from a boring, like, quote-unquote boring town. Whereas I'm from a town that has a service station that's open 24-7. That's sick! Yeah, 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 yeah. And why okay. shouldn't that be fun? Okay, but that's exact. That's what I mean. Is like you you adopt a different aspect to the vast majority of other comics, actually, to champion things that are thought of as shit. I hope that's so. a really nice yeah. angle. That's a really nice angle. When did you first do that? Like from the beginning. I think I did two gigs, being like, "My name's Helen, and my heart's been broken," and then. <laughs> And then I was like, no, fuck it. Like, even in general conversation with people. Because you want to be funny, like, how you're funny off stage, right? Like, how you're funny with your friends. And it's like, but that's usually me being like, no, like, Disney Disney Plus is the best online platform for anything. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But, like, I'll celebrate, like, tortellini pasta. Because yeah. it's really convenient. <laughs> but everyone really wants to go somewhere that, like, some guys visited on Netflix. Yeah. But Getty can get it to my door in 10 minutes. So what's the problem? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But that's super basic, isn't it? What am I like? But that's it. But that's <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Making that, making that work for you and, and championing basic things, championing the, like, that's what I mean. The mundane isn't the, quite, the, right, the right word, but everyday things. I think what you're things... saying is like the, the, like, I'm from like a classic middle class town. I'm middle class, like nothing that exciting or big happened. Yes. So it's like, what's your hook? But like the hook is that I am myself. Yes, totally. Right? Totally. Abs- absolutely. That's exactly what I'm getting at. And and particularly today when um, I think there is uh, like, yeah, to have a hook, like it's a lot of, a lot of um, uh, comedy success these days or maybe is in vogue at the moment, is that there is kind of... There are so many comedians that you really stand out if you have had an interesting life. Yeah, and like, I've never had cancer, yeah. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never had cancer. Ellen Bauer, she's never had cancer, and she's she's feeling pretty great about it. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Learning how to take things which don't seem to be an advantage... And and exactly as you say, and that's the thing I've talked about in this podcast a lot, is the advantage is you are 100% yourself. I hope so. Congratulations. That's the end of the interview. (laughs) Oh, my God. All I learned was I'm a bully who bullies. Are you serious? (laughs) Let's let's talk about the the links between. Like, I imagine if we take kind of like if if one out of ten is you are yourself on stage, you're just yourself, you just walk on and be yourself, and ten out of ten is someone completely contrives a version of themselves. Where are you on that scale? Like... I I, I want to answer that, but I'm not generally that consistent in myself. 
like, so I can go on stage tired or in a bad mood and then on stage I'm Helen in a bad mood. So I guess I am very much myself. Yeah. But as far as how I want to be funny. So like, I'm talking about how I'm funny with my friends, but I'm only all, only funny with my friends, like 20% of the conversation because they're talking about their problems, uh, like pension, pension, pen, like something like that. So I, I think I'm pretty close to myself. My friends say I'm close to myself, which means more than anything. Yes. Yeah, right. And actually, that preview you sent me, the Bristol preview, there were yes. people in the room that you knew. And I know. You didn't, oh, my God. You my didn't friend break, is You didn't break stride at all. I was like, oh, yeah, you're just completely being yourself. You know, yeah, because but that, I prefer it when people are in that I know, because then I feel like they can verify to the rest of the crowd. Like, no, she is this mentally ill. Like, this isn't an act. <laughs> okay, so given that you are... Like, I'm really fascinated by your uh, childhood, given that you are you. so much... Your... <laughs> Thank you. So... I'm Honestly, I am too. Like, this was like free therapy. <laughs> it was tough, Stu. It was so middle class. <laughs> One of the things that you have said, I, um, I think... I think I must have seen you say this on stage, but it's hard to remember whether it's just something you've said to me in person because, because the stuff on stage is so honest and so... You know, it's delivered by you being yourself, and it's yeah, actually true stuff about. Worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, now now you know that's what I'm saying. Um, but the stuff about you were bullied at school, and you didn't realise at the time. Like yeah. again, to me, that is such a quintessentially Helen Bauer thing. So, just talk to us a, a bit about that, because like I've never heard anyone say that, and it's like you're you're a sort of. Um, you just make a lot of other comics look really fake because you're so yourself. You're so good at accurately, faithfully being who you are. And That's I think for way me, too generous. No, 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 no. It's for it's just a personal opinion. But from my perspective, one of the things I love is seeing people be a million percent themselves. One of the things I hate is seeing people who've contrived a thing and I don't buy it. And obviously, we all see a lot of comedy. So, but you, aren't you, you jealous that they're able to write in another voice? Oh, I mean, no, yes, yes, sure. But it, I know what I like. I know what I like and I know what my quest is. And my quest is to be myself as much as possible. And I find oh, it very, very yourself. hard. you are yourself. You well, are yourself. Well, I, I don't know. I hope so. I, I, I think actually deliberately seeding audiences with people you know, not that I'm saying you've done that deliberately, that would be quite useful for me because it wouldn't leave me anywhere to hide. I think I have become more myself, but I probably, I had a lot of fucking street performing to unlearn. I had a lot of blah, blah, transmit, transmit. In, mm-hmm. in life and in stagecraft that I had to unlearn. Yeah. Whereas, um, so I think for me, it would be it would be useful to have people I know in. And maybe partly why I think I've got better as a comic is there are now more people in who are like fans of the podcast, who I recognise, who I don't feel I can hide in front there of. There you That's, go, there you go. Yeah. Do, do you experience that? Well, I think it's because my first year and a bit of doing stand-up, I was in Germany. So no one I went to school with. I wasn't around anyone that I real Like, everyone I knew that I had known for, like, two years. Mm-hmm. Like, so I didn't... We didn't know each other, know each other. Yeah. And it was so nice. I remember when two of my best friends from school came to visit and they came to see me doing, like, seven minutes of stand-up to six angry German guys. Yeah. And, like, the other comics on were like, oh, my God... And I remember there's this New York comic who I started with in Berlin. He's now in New York called uh, Daniel Louis Vezza. And he was like, oh, my God, Helen's friends are exactly like the stories. And I was like, (laughs) yes, I've crushed this. And I was so glad they were being so fucking just like awful British basic whores. Because I was like, thank you for proving my point. (laughs) So, so, so. 
given that, given the the reality, the amount of reality there is in in what you do, yeah. um, you, you want to know about how I was bullied at school? Is that what you want to? Well, go no, that's not exactly what I mean. But I, but I'm not, I'm interested in that idea that you were bullied and you didn't realise you were being bullied. Like, is that just true? Is that it's just true, true? It's true. Yeah. I mean, I only found out. It must be. It was like middle of lockdown because I was living with my best friend from school. And we were doing like weekly school friend Zooms, which I do not recommend. And because um, I, ge- I genuinely loved school. Like I wasn't like academic or anything. I just really loved it. I loved going and like being around everyone. And then everyone always says that thing like, oh, you are either bullied or you bullied. And I was like, no, neither. Neither. Mm-hmm. I saw bullying happening, but I was just like friends with everyone. And then my friends were just like, no, 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 no. You you were bullied like quite badly. Because the only time I ever felt bullied was in year 11 and they didn't let me in the school play because the drama teacher didn't like me and she said I was too tall to be in the chorus of women. Oh, what? Which is... well, wouldn't be allowed today. I was sleeping with a geography teacher so I told everyone. (laughs) But like, it was... Yeah. But I just missed it because I was just like, oh, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, so you're bullied by other kids or bullied by a teacher? Kids. kids. The people in my year. They thought I was weird apparently. And how did you not I notice? Thought it was You're a... Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Part of me is like, how much is my, how much are my friends just sort of like making something a thing to be fun? Yeah. Yeah. And how much is like, I mean, I do think it's weird that I got through school so easily because I was a bit like looking back now, I was a lot of a kid. Like mm-hmm. I would, um, like I, I was form rep, but I was also in all the bottom sets. But I just sort of like confidently got my way into these really high powered positions with nothing to back it up with. <laughs> and then I also had like a very liberal mum at home who was like, oh, don't study. That's so boring to be defined by a letter on a piece of paper. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think they must have just been like, also I was a bit fat and like, it wasn't like, I was, I, I had loads of friends, but I wasn't in the popular group. Yeah, okay. So maybe it's that. But maybe yeah. I didn't have loads of friends. I thought I was friends with everyone. I genuinely did. There is something. It's so, it's so In year appealing. 11, I didn't get head girl at the end of year 10. And I genuinely remember saying to basically everyone in the year, if it was a popularity contest, so I would have got it. <laughs> and what's awful? I believe that now. Even knowing I was bullied, I'm like, no, I still would have got it. That's astonishing. It's like you're, it's almost like you have so much self-belief that when the evidence gets in the way, the self-belief just steamrollers the evidence. <laughs> you know, you know, I mean, I, I sort of feel there's something Trumpian about it. <laughs> no, like, my mum says like, I, I went right, right wing for a bit when I was younger. Oh was my like, oh, God. Got, I know. It's scary, <laughs> isn't it? But then in the same breath, I've got all this self-belief and self-confidence. But then when it comes to the actual thing... I get so nervous. I have to like block myself with so many beta blockers. So I'm like, what's going on? Well, what is, okay. So what is going on? Because obviously there was the stuff about self-harming in the show and there is the, you will refer to depression. You know, you've that that bit about, you've got a brilliant bit about this, the life cry. You may know it as depression, you know, and, and yet you don't kind of, we, like people talk about depression in their comedy, but they don't tend to talk about it whilst, smashing the audience over with what a great time they and everyone else is having. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's the, like you, like, is, is there, is there a kind of like, 
Is there sort of, and I'm not, if you don't want to talk about yeah. anything, we don't want to talk no, about it. No, no, I'm thinking, I'm literally thinking. Yeah, and if you on. don't want to put it on stage, no one has to put their stuff on stage, but you sort of refer to it. And it because I because I know how much yourself you are on stage and because I therefore trust, I take everything you say at face value. I kind of, <laughs> yeah, to, I mean, to an extent, you know. Thank um, you. <laughs> I, so, I, I, don't, I don't think, you may know it as manic depression, you know, I don't think that's a throwaway joke. I think like, oh, you've probably Oh, it's not a throwaway. Or, yeah. It's me finding a way to like let everyone know that I know the subject I'm doing is a lot more serious than the one I'm doing. So like you mentioned the kebab routine earlier. Yeah. Like for me, that's really obviously about a compulsive overeating disorder. Someone who is binge eating and finding a way to hide it because they can't deal with their problem. Okay. But to anyone who's a binge eater or has a compulsive overeating problem, they will 100% get that. Yeah, okay. But to anyone who doesn't, it's just a stupid drunk girl going for food. Yes, that's interesting. Same with the okay. cry. So, like, I'm crying, I'm so depressed, blah, blah, blah. So, for loads of people, it's just sort of like, oh, she's so emotional. She's so basically so emotional. Then I just quickly mention depression. I think I mentioned, like, an antidepressant drug in my new show, just, like, once, just really casually, just to let them know that I'm dealing with a subject that I'm fully aware has a lot of weight to it. Yeah, okay. But I'm also not a good enough comic to fully do it nor that I, do I want to I'd rather deal with it the way that I deal with my mental health in real life which is just making it fun and okay for everyone and letting everyone know it's cool I'm super depressed but I also want to go to Disney got it got it I that's interesting with that kebab routine like I didn't I, I don't have any problems with eating I'm happy Congratulations. to say um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I mean is so I suppose I can be forgiven for not having noticed that. Like yeah, to but me, you don't that's... have to. You don't have to. But that routine to me is kind of a. Ba- it's like a a really sort of. It's like a celebration. There is something celebratory yeah. when you're talking about what you do is you buy the first kebab and you eat it on the way to the second kebab shop. Mm-hmm. That's like I suppose part of me. I suppose part of me occasionally during some of your routines has thought. Is she okay? Who <laughs> do you mean? Like, <laughs> there is a certain... Well, it's that performative side of any disorder where you're sort of like, oh, I'll go into the second one and pretend that I'm someone else. Like, oh, I don't know what this is. I never do this. Yes, you know? okay. Yes, okay. Yes, yes. That's fascinating. The idea that, like... And you were saying you don't want to... What was it you were saying? That you, you don't want to necessarily get into the stuff. You just want to cope with it in the way you... you not cope with it. You want to talk about it in the way yeah, you talk about it. Yeah, I do it. want to talk about it, but I don't... I feel like I'm not the comic yet, or maybe I will never will be the comic that's sort of like, oh, I've got depression, anxiety, and a compulsive overreaching disorder, and I, I really feel like I should uh, talk this through. Whereas I'd rather be like, okay, so I'm a compulsive overeater. Like, eating disorders, depression, anxiety, they're things that you live with your entire life. You don't get cured from them. So it's like, let's just talk about some of the mad shit we do with it, because it's so funny. Like, at its core, it is funny, some of the mad stuff I do. Yes, yes. Because so it's like, what... I'm going to live with it. I'll have healthy periods and, like, bad, same as anyone, right? yeah. So, like, let's just accept it and now let's have fun with it. But I feel that's a privilege my generation has, which is like, okay, cool, we've all got something. So, like... It's... Oh, right, okay. Okay, I'm just... I'm, I'm, I want to be able to ask the right questions about it because... Okay, I won't be offended if you say something wrong, so you can just go for it. Oh, no, they, um, uh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose to, to have made the decision now that, like, hey, this is a lifelong thing, I'm never going to be cured... 
Yeah. You know, that's like some pretty good wisdom, isn't it? Is that some pretty, I don't know that I agree with it necessarily. I don't know that anxiety, for example, is something that can never be cured. I don't know that an eating, I don't know enough about eating disorders to know whether they are something mm-hmm. that can never be cured. So I don't know. I sort of, I feel like this podcast cannot officially sanction the opinions of Helen Bauer. Oh God, but- <laughs> and no, nor should it. Nor fucking should it. <laughs> but, but to have, but to come to it with the attitude of, oh well, better get used to it. You know, that's like a really, that seems, I could see the value in that. Well, I don't know if anxiety can be cured. I mean, I'm in therapy again at the moment and we like speak about stuff like that. And I'm on the right medication for me at the moment at this point in my life. But like, I think I will always struggle to feel anxious in certain situations. But if that is part of who I am, then I might as well have fun with it. Sounds very healthy. I mean, it does, it does it? sound very healthy. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I, I suffer an awful lot from anxiety. Yeah. Um, it has, it has sort of become, I suppose I have suffered from depression when the anxiety mm-hmm. has become too much. And I think as a kid, when I didn't have the terminology for it, I was like, yeah. oh, I've got depression. But ne- then, I mean, listening to some of your material, I'm like, no, maybe I just want it to be interesting. But I, I, I don't know the extent to which I made myself depressed by, by kind of having anxiety and then feeling like there was something attractive about That's depression. what I talk about in my I show. I know, like, I know, yeah. like, I know. And I, oh my God, it hit me. I was just like, oh my God, you're very, like, it's that strumming my pain with her fingers kind of yeah. thing where I'm just like, oh, well, she's just uh, made sense of quite a lot of my childhood, maybe. <laughs> That's know? the thing, when people get upset or offended, I think it's usually they don't understand it because like with depression, it is very common to want like a big display of tragedy or a physical outlet for it because then people will go like, what's wrong? Can we help you? So you don't have to do the reaching out. So it's very common to like want like a death in the family very close to you. So people are there for you. It's not healthy, but it is just part of what it is. And there's something really funny about that. We're already depressed, but for some reason we want one more thing to go wrong because this will be the one that fixes it. (laughs) Yes, yes. If only everyone knew how special I was and then they could look after me. Yeah, it's like if someone dies in my family, don't text me. Like, tell me in a public place. Like, don't be a dick about it. (laughs) Like, I had this bit in my first show, which is, I mean, I called you off about it the other day because, like, I'm now getting ready to film that first show. Yeah. And I ran it last night and I had this bit in it about um, being at school and just loving that moment when the um, the receptionist walks in with a note for one of the students and, oh, like, yeah. loads of, like, normal kids would just sort of be like, oh, who's forgot their school lunch money? And I'd be like, someone's died. Oh, my God. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. <laughs> Okay, here's here's a follow up question from that. Then, <laughs> yeah, the 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 person you were at yeah. school, and I yeah. guess I don't know how old you are. I guess you're thirty one twenties. Okay, there we go. I'm okay. a big girl, Stu. I'm not eighteen no more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a good while ago. It's like you know, mm-hmm. thirteen plus years ago. Yeah. You were at school. Mm-hmm. You're still that person, pretty much, and yet you're very comfortable taking the piss out of how you felt back then and again the reason i pick up on this is because that's a thing i find it very hard to do i can make fun of how things were in the 90s i find it very hard to make fun of how i was in the 90s because i feel like it's a big inhibition of mine it's an inhibiting factor as a comic is the ability to just go Mm. here are some awful things i used to think with a hundred percent clarity and you know clarity of purpose i feel like i'd be selling out my my younger self. Now, I don't think that's good that I feel like that, but I'm, yeah, I'm I marvel at how uninhibited you are. But I like, love how uninhibited you are. I think, I don't know what to say to that. 
Yeah, I just think it's funny. Like anything that you used to like do, but also because I don't think I've grown out of those behaviours fully. Like I don't do them necessarily. I won't be like, oh God, I, I had the worst day. Ask me about it. But I will 100% like be like, ask me if I had a bad day. <laughs> And you'll do more more sophisticated versions of those. And by more sophisticated, those mean more direct. Yeah, I'll do less work. Like, I'm not putting the work in to it. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. Like, maybe because I'm still friends with everyone I went to school with, so they point things out. So, like, I haven't had the privilege of distance from it, maybe. Yes. I just mm. ran away from it. I got as far away from it as I could. I mean, but- I left school. I didn't go to uni. I just left and I moved out. But, like... I kept the people. Yes. I mean, that's, and so that's so small doses, I saw, which I saw the other night, yes. which is your, it's like a 15 minute, I don't yeah, know what they like call short, them these like, days. Yeah. A short. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Um, as we, as we commit less and less budget to finding out whether something might go viral. <laughs> that, that Apparently kind of we're supposed to call it a pilot, but I'm pretty sure like pilot's <laughs> like 24 minutes. So it's definitely not. <laughs> But in in small doses, you you play. I forget the names character the characters. Kate, name, Helen, Kate Helen Parker, Bauer. Yeah. yeah, Helen Bauer. Yeah, um, and you're <laughs> and you're returning from uh, time abroad, mm-hmm. au pairing, and returning and going back to those school friends. Yes. Yes. So that is like that to me. It's one of those quintessential kind of like I've written my life. <laughs> kind of like apart how from will the fact I... I was never an au pair abroad. I've never been an au pair. What and were I've you, never what moved were you do- back home. <laughs> what were you doing in Germany? Oh, waitressing. Okay. Yeah. Were you living? With, how long? And how long were you in Germany? Three years. And you went there instead of uni, like to go. No, and no, no. I went a... there when I was twenty-four. I basically I had my heart broken by a guy who I never went out with, but I was just really in love with him. And I thought if I moved country, he'd like realize how much he needed me and follow. But he he got a girlfriend, so <laughs> I stayed for three years to prove a point that it wasn't about him. <laughs> <laughs> and did you know? So just just coming back to that idea before about like yeah. the the lack of inhibition about your previous yeah. self. Did you know at the time, did you know on six months in that you were like, I'm going to have to stay here for three years to prove a point? <laughs> or is that just something you get with hindsight? Oh, I think it was like within three months of arriving there. I was like, oh shit, like I need to do this properly and live here. But I also wanted to live abroad, so it worked out okay. <laughs> yeah, presumably, because also the kind of the uninhibited Helen Bell would also think, well, if I go back home with my tail between my legs, who cares? Like, what yeah. am, Like, what are you trying to prove and to whom? Well, trying to prove to everyone that I, I'm smart. <laughs> to everyone. I want my dad to be impressed by me. I want him to hug me. Uh, <laughs> I want, I want everyone me. to be like, oh, she did okay. Remind me about your dad. What's the situation with your dad? Oh, Is your like dad nothing. Alive? He's just like Is super it... autistic and super thick. So he's Fine. just sort of like, okay. like the only gig he's come to see was Live at the Apollo and he ate a sausage roll in the audience. Like... <laughs> You know when you're like, I don't want you to be a stage business, like a show business dad, but like... Sure. He said no to coming to the Apollo recording. Okay. I had to ask him three times, and then his, like, current girlfriend was like, go see your fat daughter perform, like, fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) And when you refer to him casually as autistic, is he... Is he diagnosed autistic? Yeah, yeah, or, or diagnosed. Yeah, right, yeah, fine. I've got autism in my family. Sister's autistic, my dad's autistic, like gotcha. uncles, cousins, like the whole works, yeah, yeah. I I understood as much, but I think I needed you to say that for the sake of a different oh, time yeah, for trigger yeah, warning. People, yeah, <laughs> I do not use it lightly. This is something that for is sure. big in my family, yeah. Okay, so he has he doesn't hug you and you want him to no, hug you? No, he won't do it. I've asked so many times. 
Oh my god. To the point where it's become a joke now, and he'll go, oh, very good, and then like tap me on the back like five times really hard. Oh. Like I'm a dog. But we're working on it. We'll get there. (laughs) And just while we're on your parents as well, one of the other marvellous things about your parents is that your mum, Anne, started her own drama school. Illegally. Illegally, (laughs) like with no no, no sort of accreditation or any kind of formal structure. She just, she thought, I've got skills and I've got to share them with the kids. I'm in a lineage of very confident women. Yeah. (laughs) Mad, mentally ill, mad cunts, but really confident. Yeah. Tell me about your, tell me about the sort of the different elements of your personality that you got from your parents. I think I inherited everything from my mum, like as far as like confidence, like good self-belief, like bad relationships with men and other people, but like really like outgoing. And then I think I inherited from my dad mouth breathing. That's it. That's the only thing I think I got. Yeah. It's very sad, isn't it? You mentioned there, oh, maybe then I'd write something new. What's your relationship to writing? Is it something that that comes easily because you're you've got the persona nailed, so you just go out and talk, and anything you say becomes material? That's the thing. This is what I want to figure out with you. It's like I don't. I, I so I come up with an idea of something I want to discuss, and that usually comes through like either like watching TV or like walking around listening to something, or just like just casually through conversation, like whatever, and it'll come through. And then usually about the fifth fifth time it comes through to me I'll be like oh I should talk about this on stage okay and usually it's just an anecdote about the idea or like a story and then I will just talk it through at every new material night for a while until it's a bit and that's it okay okay and I want to do something else because I used to like come up with a feeling like oh I when I get like this feeling of being like frustrated that let's go with the depression thing again that I'm really depressed but no one's noticed but I also don't want them to know and then I would just try and find a way to explain that as best I could and that would be my writing process okay okay but that means I'm always going on stage with technically nothing yes Yes, and but both of those are totally think. valid, like a story about a real thing, uh-huh. great starting point, of course, and very interested in that, uh, going on stage with trying to express a feeling, like yeah. a, a sort of an observation almost, like I've noticed this particular feeling. Yeah. You know that, fe- you know that feeling. But when, that makes me look like a toddler trying to be like, but this is how it feels, no, good sir. <laughs> like, 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 I feel like the audience of parents being like, use your words. No. Yes, but are they thinking? Do they say anything like that, or what is that that feeling of yours? What is that sort of reflective of? Like you know, when you get to a laugh in a bit, when you're trying to like do a new bit, and they're laughing, and you're like, "No, we're not there. That's not right." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've yeah. misrepresented myself. Like I do that all the time. Like I look back at like things I've said or like bits I've done, and I'm like, "Oh, I feel like you've just mis- made yourself seem so simple there, or like not very interesting, or not very complex." It's oh. like you have to sort of like sell yourself short, right, for the sake of a joke, because there's so much more to you than just like. Ooh. Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yes. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna interject then because I sometimes I find out who I am by the fact that they're laughing, but that isn't that isn't. Oh, the don't same yeah. Thing, I found out it? I was fat on stage and during a race battle. Yeah. I thought I was just big and then Huge Davies did like a fat joke and the whole audience went yeah and I was like oh wow oh my god I'm actually fat like... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, but 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 that is but what I realise is we're talking about two different things there. Oh. Yeah, I think there are things where you can. Um, like I'll say something and I, I will just like I, the other night I did a gig where I just mentioned on the way to another joke I mentioned you know I just sometimes I just don't know what to say to my children and I don't feel like we've got much in common <laughs> and I just sort of said that and it got a big laugh and I went oh something there you know that's a lot of the time is how I how I hunt for jokes no, is by that's true. Then just sort of like blurt yeah. stuff mm-hmm. and you go oh oh there's something in that great and then you go around and sort of I didn't realise that was a funny aspect of myself or what have you yeah. but so but that isn't what you mean what you mean is the the fear of selling yourself short by get it like getting sort of a like scoring a laugh off yourself or getting a or like, what, what kind of thing you, i don't know like you'll be trying to do like a complex bit about let's say like i don't know bullying at school because we've already done that bit and then like they're all laughing like oh she's too thick to realize she was bullied but it's like but i want you to know there's more to it than that like yes. this is because of um, a level of confidence that people try and attain to, but it also means that you don't live in reality. So this is why instead of just putting that joke at the beginning of a set, which is when I was first doing it, it was, yeah. I now do it later because I want them to have more perspective on me. Totally. But that totally might be an that. arrogance or an ego I have that I'm like, I don't want you to think I'm stupid. There's more to me than that. Yes. No, no, no. I don't think that's arrogance at all. There is more to you than that. And, I, you know, it's because you are you are quite clownish and you know that I mean that in a positive way, you, you know, by which I mean, like, your ability to to kind of own your I mistakes. I listen to your interview with Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it better than I do. Did that come up? <laughs> it did, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Okay, so, um, fuck, I've got to stop interviewing people who are familiar with the podcast. No, no, you don't. <laughs> I'm also a friend of Harriet's and I'm also like, I'm also very fascinated by clown school. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was a, and there is a danger that I only have five thoughts and I just, they just come out in order. Yeah. That's why I need other people to do the talking. But yeah, so the, the idea of like owning your mistakes and going, this is a flaw. Ha ha. Yeah. Hooray. You know, or like, I mean, the, the thing I always think of is, um, uh, uh, Zach Zucker and uh, Vigo Venn. So when good. They, I, I mean, they're brilliant. And when I was with them and the director, Johnny, when um, they got a one-star review and they were jumping up and down, high-fiving because it completed the set. And it was like, oh, that's it. A, a quote-unquote bad thing has See, happened and you're celebrating it. ruin me. <laughs> would it? Would I'd it? Be because you know got... what you're doing. What about if you got a one-star review from a gig that you know you'd smashed it? Would that devastate you? Would you care no, at all? Because you know. It, yeah. If I'd done well and the audience had liked it, then I'd be like, oh, come on. And if you'd done three star and you got a one star review? Oh, I'd have earned it. I deserve the one star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so would it be devastating? I think it would because I haven't had one yet. Like my first one star is coming. Everyone gets a one star and a five star over their career. I've been told that and I do believe it. And it, so it's coming for me. But I, yeah, I'll be upset. I want people to think I'm good and I want people to enjoy myself. The Helen we see on stage, I feel like, wouldn't give two shits about getting a one-star That's my fear with this new show being about confidence and everyone just seeing it as, like, she's so confident she doesn't care. Because I open with a joke about that. But I'm trying to figure out by the end of it how I can make it clear that, like, I just don't care about everything anymore. I only care about one thing, which is that you think I don't care. Yeah. And I think I need to say that line. And maybe I didn't in the preview. In your depictions of not just being a, a girl at school, but of being a young woman yes. and of being a woman, I feel like not only is the audience, like particularly the Apollo set, there are, you know, you have that kind of 
uh, women cheering you, finally, someone's fucking said it, yes, kind of quality. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there's that quality to it, which is maybe less... I don't know if it's less remarkable to you because you have perf- you have performed as a woman a hundred percent more times than I have, Thank so you. you'll be used to it. Yeah. But you know, I, there are certain comics, certain female comics who I see get a reaction from a female audience that isn't just laughter and it isn't just okay. clapter. Uh-huh. You know, like we agree with you politically, but there is a sort of an explosive release of like fuck yes, nailed it, nailed a bit of my experience. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, so I yeah, maybe I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been in my audience. <laughs> Um, so i i observe that and i i one like i just think your depictions of some of those kind of elements of like i can't remember what which bit was i thinking of the bit from the preview about basing a personality around a scrunchie yeah i understand more about young women from listening to you than i did before i was like oh Oh, you've really got that. Or like the way you talk about being, and I don't want to give away jokes, but That's the fine. decision you made about the sort of girl you wanted to be, like, you know, oh, yeah. deciding to be the, <laughs> you know, I don't want to give away the bit. It's a lovely bit and I want people to sort of see it fresh. Yeah. But making decisions about your personality or kind of, as you said, waiting for the note and thinking, oh God, who's died? But you obviously know, I'm that's... basing that off being a 14 year old girl, but I think that's just everyone in the world has had moments in their life where they're like, right, I want to be more like this. Like, you're saying, I don't want to be this cringe. So you're trying to make choices about your personality as to who you want to be. It's just that when you're a teenager, or at least for me when I was a teenager, it's more clearly defined because you're so desperately wanting to fit in with the different trends. You're sort of constantly redefining yourself. So I think that's a bit about how I, as a 14-year-old, did that. Yeah. Because if I set it in the present day, it'd be really boring because it's like, how am I trying to be a more satirical comedian it's not a fun personality yes. choice whereas deciding whether to be fuckable or kind is lush yes yeah yes so but that's interesting because i like there are elements to that when you say oh it's like a it's a universal thing you'll have felt it, i mean it really isn't like there's a lot of it which is like really? really oh this is a girl experience that's what it must have been like to be a girl at oh school. i thought everyone wanted to change who they no. were well um I, not in the not in the not with the nuance that you describe I'm it. In this show. I don't think. <laughs> no, not at all. I think it's about like one of the things is I really want my wife to see this show. Oh, I've told her so like nice. when you come to Bristol, you know, because I just it's one of those ones where um, she's yeah, you know, without getting into detail, there is definitely certain people that I'm like, oh fucking, she's gonna absolutely love that, and I know she will. I hope um, so. Um, you can join the hallowed ranks of the four comedians who've ever made her cry laughing. I am not one of them. <laughs> Oh, that's really that's that's horrible. Isn't oh, well, that is uh, it comes a time in everyone's life <laughs> they've really got to accept that. Um, but uh, but yeah, so those those experiences are like I found them really, and that's part of what made the show so watchable. Is not just that it's yeah. funny, not just that it's kind of emblazoned with this, yeah. driven with this persona, but also I was like, f- it's fascinating. I was like, fuck, is that what it's like being a girl? Holy shit! But what's so funny is like you're saying that, and I genuinely believe that was a universal experience that I was just framing as like these couple of years in my life to make it simple. But now you're like, yeah. no, no, that's not universal experience. Well, and I'm like, no, the, no, the, it the, is. The, like, this is how fucking <laughs> no, no, no. insane I am that I'm like, this connects with everyone. <laughs> and now next time I do it, I'm going to be like, oh, half the audience are looking at me like, what the fuck? And half them will be like, yes. But I won't see it that way. I see it as a whole audience going, she's just like us. 
Uh, well, I mean, the idea of wanting to change who you are, sure, universal. What I mean is the clothes that bit is wearing. Okay. The with the sentence basing a personality around a scrunchie yeah. like the, that the nuance in that the specificity of that is not universal to me but maybe the feeling okay. underneath it is maybe a Deciding... belt or a tie i don't, I don't know. <laughs> no that doesn't happen i don't I can't... <laughs> deciding to be tragic at school yeah what a what an incredible sentence deciding to be tragic i do part of i, I do relate to that in a kind of teenage way yeah. but i just it's when depression I don't know was it's like cool and you were like you didn't even know what it was depression i was like oh my god they're so mysterious <laughs> <laughs> um let's do let's do some uh listener questions okay. um uh <laughs> uh helen has such a distinctive persona on stage in her podcast and in her sitcom pilot Evidence of a well-researched question. I would like to know the extent to which she came to comedy with it fully formed or whether stand-up coaxed it out and it's a result of deliberate honing in response to what works at gigs. So that's, we talked a lot about your persona, but like what decisions were made as you did the first five years of gigging that you went, oh, this bit of me works. I'll try this bit of me. Oh, that element of it maybe isn't connecting as hard. I don't know how much was conscious decisions and how much was just chasing the laughter. Like if they laughed mm-hmm. at something, then I'd be like, okay, great. I'll stick with that. But see, these are things I actively haven't thought about. Cause I feel like if I think about it, then I'll start panicking. Worried that it won't break. How I come across isn't how I am or something. Yes. I mean, I don't think there's any danger of that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I just, I, I want to give that a good are. answer, but I don't think I've thought about it. Like I, obviously my persona has changed from when I started because I'm a lot more confident on stage. Yeah. I've always been confident off stage, yeah. but I was so nervous on stage that I spoke so fast and I'm slowing down. That's the only thing I can consciously think about. Okay. And when you're nervous on stage, yes. what are you thinking? What is it that makes you nervous? Oh, Given that they how don't kind of... like me. I just don't like people not liking me. And and do you does how funny you are come into that equation? Do you feel like if I'm not funny enough, they won't like me? Do you have to be funny to be liked? Oh, it's so sad that I don't think about... I'm just like, oh, they don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I always remember talking to Sam Simmons where he'd say if, he, if a bit doesn't get a laugh, he gets really angry. These fucking idiots! Why aren't they laughing at my great idea? Oh yeah, I've you know, seen that's like a really... do that, and I'm just sort of like, oh my god! They no, hate. I mean, he doesn't. He does. He doesn't say it out loud. You know, yeah. it's just like his his core thing is, ah, oh, these these guys don't get it, idiots. You know, rather than my core thing, which would be like, that wasn't funny. Why did I ever think that would be funny? Uh, dissolve. You know. <laughs> what do you want out of comedy? Like, are you you seem to be like in a really good place at the moment it feels like you're you're successful and there's also loads of potential i'm finding it really hard to accept that it feels more natural to not be in a good place you know what i mean yeah you know what i mean like when things are going (laughs) right you're like what's gonna go wrong whereas when you're waiting for things to go right it's so easy because you're like oh no no but one day and now i'm like oh my god it's today oh shit like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so what is so what is another five to ten years of it going right gonna look like like what are your ambitions within oh, comedy? Ambitions. Are you, are you ambitious? oh my god so many like I, so i'm doing my first tour this year but i want to do like loads of tours i really want to do like oh my god i want to do like a west end venue do you know what i mean like i want to okay. like really cool okay. old yeah, theaters yeah. that are like a little bit haunted yeah i want to do a special i definitely i want to do like 
like bit parts and stuff. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think I just really want my own sitcom. I really want my own sitcom. Everyone's such a brat <laughs> saying that. <laughs> those those are all um those are all really uh good, sensible, laudable, probably achievable kind of ambitions. Maybe one or two of them, yeah. Oh, I mean they're all put they're all conceivably possible. We could very easily be having this conversation in five years' time and you're like tick, 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 tick. All Maybe. of those things. Maybe. Yeah. So why do you want them? Why do I what why do I want to do like a big Western theatre? Why do you want all those things? Oh, because I'm just um I like that sort of like thing coming round. Like I used to love going up to see musicals when I was younger and then to like be on one of those stages performing my own show and being like, oh cool, like this is the other side of it. Like I like those things. You know? Like that sort of yeah, like I reward s- and like work and reward for it. Yes, yep, for sure. I suppose what I'm getting at is what kind of drives you? Like, oh, does attention. it solve oh, any? Have I not been clear? Is it? It's attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a hundred percent like middle child. Like, please look at me. Please think I'm doing right. But also inherently, above all of that, I really love people laughing with me. I love it. I love making people happy in the audience in front of me. Like, it makes me feel so good. I love it. It's really cringe, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. No, it's really. I mean, I'm. I'm not. I can't possibly be the arbiter of whether something's cringe or not. But it's. Um, no, those are like really. They're really happy, well-adjusted, good. That's a great. That's a great. You know, you're not on the run from yourself. It doesn't sound like you just like you've got a healthy understanding yeah. of. Well, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I also like I'm fully I'm ambitious enough to know that I want the audience to grow. Yeah, for sure. I want to do bigger rooms than I'm doing. I don't want to just do like I like hitting something. Like when I first got invited to do the Soho Theatre, I was like, "This is amazing!" It's like four nights upstairs. But now I've just been booked in for my next run, and it's five nights downstairs. And I'm like, "Oh, that's so cool!" So like, I wonder maybe in six years' time, will it be the main room for a month? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I like those little like that makes sense to me. That project thing, like yeah. But do you know what I mean? Like, like being your tech at Pleasance when I was 18. Yeah. Having really, I liked comedy, but I wasn't like in it. And I was going into technical theatre. Like I was going in to learn to like be a stage manager. Hence why I did this crewing job. And then I went through my soul searching years in my 20s being like, what do I want to do? And I knew it was something in performance. I knew it was something to do with people. And then going back to Pleasance exactly 10 years later... Mm-hmm. to do my first hour I was like that's really cool no one no one gives a <laughs> shit apart from me but I'm like that's cool like that's a decade's worth of stuff and now I'm on that side of this yeah 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 that's really I mean I'm really pleased to hear it because that's like um, and then you're that's... coming to watch me yeah like that's cool no yes I mean really I should come and do your tech and then that would be the circle complete. no you'd be terrible you'd be terrible <laughs> you'd be fucking awful too bad in the audience cringing because someone walked out like <laughs> are you happy yeah I think so yeah today like obviously like nothing's consistent but today very happy even though I can hear Sunil Patel and Ed Knight outside trying to build a sofa <laughs> are they your housemates? No, you just never tell me. Invite Ed over to put up a sofa, which I feel like it's a terrible choice. <laughs> right? People who listen to this podcast know the comedians Snilk Tell and Ed Knight. They are not the two you'd be like, 
do my sofa. Yes. Because it's don't a new know... sofa. I, I, can li- I feel like they're eating magnums whilst doing it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. But I'm happy. Thanks, man. Thank you. So that was Helen, a joy, an absolute joy. I say that a lot and I mean it a lot and I definitely mean it in this case. Um, I am so excited to see what happens next for Helen Bauer. She just is that perfect, perfect combination of great writing, just all of it suffused with personality. Everything she comes out with is so her and uh, we didn't touch on half the stuff, more than half the stuff in her Edinburgh show. So go and see that. It's called Madam Good Tit. And it is almost certainly at the Pleasance. But I'm sure you can find wherever it is by uh, punching it into uh, edfringe.com or the search engine of your choice. But do go and see her at Edinburgh. I, I've heard the work in progress. And if it's already this good now, it's going to be extremely fucking good by the time you hear it and see it. She's also got a special on something. Is it Soho? I think on Soho Theatre she's got a special. So download that and pay for it and do all the things that means she might get another one in the future. Thank you to whoever logs this episode. I think I've promised it to two different people as a tester, so one of them will get it, and well done them. Thank you. Unless it was bollocks, in which case, uh, never darken my doors again. Um, So also thank you to Nathan Wood for uploading and editing the show. Thank you to Emily Crosby, who might be analysing my workflow. (laughs) If it goes well, I'll tell you how you can get in touch with Emily Crosby, that she might analyse your workflow. Um, your podcast consultant is Peter Dobbing and this has been a Getting Brett Goldstein Out of Bed production uh, thanks for listening, no postamble today purely because uh, I'm in a hurry to get two of these out, uh, two of these ready in a week, uh, including next week's episode with the wonderful Olaf Falafel another happy little bastard in comedy so upsetting when people have fewer cracks into which I can put the chisel of despair and uh, the, the oyster shucker of depression um but Olaf is wonderful and such a brilliant joke writer and such a just such an absolute tumble dryer, a spilling over, an exploding tumble dryer of comedy ideas. Uh, we're going to talk about his children's books and all of his creative writing and drawing and stand-up projects. So that one will be with you in the following week when I will be on half term, which is why I'm doing them now. Do you understand? Now everything becomes clear, such that I can have a little holiday with the squids. Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs>